Hallelujah. Somebody shout the devil's a liar. Man, I appreciate everybody in this church. What an awesome, wonderful group of people God's gathered together. Man, if you think it's just by accident, man, you don't know the things of God. Man, God has got a wonderful revival. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I've seen visions a long time ago when the vision didn't make sense. There's a room full of people, just a sea of people, and it didn't make sense. When I was in the basement of a house with 20 wonderful saints. Amen. But we kept praying and God made a way. God opened some things up. Amen. This church began in the basement of a house. They used to call it the house of God. They would make fun of us. Amen. Just let them keep on making fun. God's blessed us and helped us. Hallelujah. There's no telling how many souls be affected in in eternity by you great, wonderful people that banded together, make a commitment. Amen. We're going to do what God wants us to do in this city. And God... God's going to do great things. I began to think about the way, the way that Paul was able to evangelize like he did is because the Romans built the roads (laughs) where he could go from city to city. And they're the one that paved it and God used them to Make it to where Paul could go from town to town telling people about Jesus. I remember years ago I thought, God, it would be so nice if there was a if there was a way to just get to the village easy. I thought we we just probably could never reach them people because you gotta just it's a pig trail trying to get there. You know what the Lord did? He got him some Romans together. <laughs> Build that new bypass, and I think in two months, amen, it's going to be a road completed. You know what I thought? Of all, all them people in that gated community, there's like, I think, 13,000, 14,000 people. A thousand people. Unbelievable. A lot of them were retired. A lot of them would probably wouldn't drive at night but I thought you know what if I have to get a bus and drive it myself amen I want every door in that place to be knocked on and them to have the opportunity to taste of this wonderful Holy Ghost (laughs) hallelujah It's like they're just, they're just there. They're not far, but they're a long ways off. God's working things out. You, you know what I love about living for God? He, he's working on things you don't even know about. He's way ahead of us. Amen. Doing great things. I just, I just got a few little notes. If, if you'll let me preach for five or ten minutes just kind of give you what the Lord laid upon my heart. Amen. You know what's even better? Is that I looked for land from, from one end of the bypass to the other. I looked down toward Malvern Way. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find nothing. And God led us to that land where we're at over there building. And that bypass is just going to be like a little loop. And there it is. Amen. Ain't God good? So I can tell you all them people up there, when they decide they're going to go to Little Rock or wherever, they ain't going to go all the way up Highway 5. 
That's too much trouble. They're going to come right down that pretty little bypass, jump on 70, and pass that big old beautiful Pentecostal church on the right-hand side. God put it in front of them. Amen. Praise God. It's a pretty big deal to go from the basement to being on the main highway. God loves this church. Thank you for your faithfulness and all that you do, your faithfulness and attendance. I mean, if you wasn't faithful in attendance, we wouldn't need a new church. <laughs> Thank God for being faithful and your faithfulness and your giving. Amen. Your prayer most of all. Amen. And your defense of this wonderful gospel. Amen. Don't just be a Christian in here. Amen. Be one out there too. Amen. Praise God. Jeremiah 29. Just a few scriptures. And I want to maybe help somebody. may not be for today. Maybe next year. Who knows? Ten years. I love the word of God because you can just bank it in your mind. There'll come a day when you're going to use every bit of it. <laughs> Amen. Jeremiah 29 and 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. I want to remind you, when he's talking to these people, he's talking to people that have rejected him for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But he said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when, everybody say when, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Amen. I want to preach a little while about restoration. Amen. Will you help me pray for just a few moments here? Amen. Set your Bibles down. Put your hands in the air. Lift up your voice to God. Come on, prayer warriors, help me pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I want somebody to prepare your heart right now. I'm not going to preach long. Amen, but it needs to fall on some fertile soil right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, God. We thank you. We praise you. Come on, hold on for another moment. Come on, if you want it, you can have it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, God. Hallelujah. Is anybody going to help me tonight? I know in life we go through all kinds of ups and downs. But I wonder if there's anybody that could use a little more restoration in their life. Why don't you lift your hands if you want a little more? Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it be so, God. Hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time. 
Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. I want to preach. Everybody say restoration. In Jeremiah, the third chapter, he would say, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel. Saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am, everybody say, merciful. He said, I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Amen. One thing you need to learn about the Lord is that he's not going to be angry always. I said he's not going to be angry always. That means... Amen. You you don't have to always run from him. You don't always have to live in a condition where you're scared to even reach out to God and wonder what's going to happen. Let me tell you about God. He he does get angry, but he don't stay angry. Amen. What a lesson for us to learn. He don't stay angry. I want to tell you something. The trial that God puts in your life has a time limit. He said after 70 years, he was talking to Israel, I'm going to come back and I'm going to change some things. You know what he's saying? You're going to go through something, but I'm the one that controls how long it's going to last. Can I tell you, it won't always be the situation some people are in tonight. Wondering how you're going to survive another week and how you're going to deal with life and deal with your nerves and depression and fear and dealing with life and the things from the past that have come up. I want to tell you trials don't last. Always. If I could tell you there's an end day to your trial and the devil ain't the one in charge of it either. I said the devil ain't the one in charge of your trial when it starts and when it ends. But God said, I'm going to do this. Come on, somebody needs to feel left of the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Man, if he said after 70 years it's going to end, let me tell you, you ought to know who's in control. Hallelujah. It ought to be an eye-opener to you to realize everything you blame the devil for, he ain't got no power anyway. People worry, I just don't know what to do. The devil's after me. You don't even need to worry about the devil. When you're a child of God, you're in his hands. My Bible said nothing can pluck you out of it. You can jump out if you want to, but if you don't want to be out, there ain't a devil in hell. Come on, in Jesus' name. He said after this trial, God's saying, I'm telling you when it's going to start, and I'm going to tell you when it's going to end. He said, I'm in control. But after this trial, he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to perform my good word. Hallelujah. See, I don't really feel like I'm living in the promises of God right now. It's all right. Just keep on living your life. Keep on loving Jesus. Every promise in this book... There'll be a day when God comes back knocking on your door and things you thought were long past, things that you thought were impossible. One of these days, he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to perform some things. I'm going to perform some promises. And when I perform them... We're about to break the spirit of doubt that gets a hold of people. We're about to break the spirit of fear that gets a hold of people. We're about to break the spirit of depression that gets on people that says I can never make 
Your generational curse don't have to stay on you. You can shake it off. You can get out of the trial. You can overcome. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what will help you through the trial is when you know God's in control. Can I help somebody that feels like they're in the fiery furnace tonight? God's in control of the heater. God's in control of what affects you and what don't affect you. Let me tell you, when God's in control, you can walk out of the fiery furnace and not even smell like smoke. Hallelujah. Talking about getting rid of your molly grubs. Getting rid of your crybaby spirit and woe is me. When you're in the trial, just, just say to yourself, you know what? God's in control. God's the one that's got me in this. It wasn't his fault. I'm the one that didn't do what I was supposed to do. It was Israel. Time and time again, he would say, I don't want you playing with them other gods. I don't want you playing with the world. I don't want you playing with sin. What would people do? They would just go and get as close to it as they could. And before you know it, they're headlong into it. Amen. And God said, you're about to get a little whipping. And they get a little whipping, just a little bitty, bitty, tiny love tap. Man, maybe it wasn't hard enough because God loves people so much. And it wouldn't be long, they'd be going and playing again. And you read Kings and Chronicles and you're like, my Lord, what is wrong with these people? They got the blessings of the Lord. Living in houses they didn't build, eating from vineyards, big old grapes and drinking and partying and wells they didn't dig. Living the good life, but they still couldn't keep their eyes off the world. And it would get a little more severe and a little more aggressive in their sinning. And their whipping would get a little harder. Sometimes he would allow the Philistines to come and take over for a few years even. Sometimes even more, even up to 40 one time, I believe. And when it's over, they would go right back into what they had just got out of. Amen. God, give us a good memory. God, give us a good memory. And they would forget and end up in the same mess. And finally, God says, uh, you know what? I'm fixing to let you go into captivity. And then he tells them how long it's going to be. It's going to be 70 years. And they're going to take your best and they're going to take the brightest and, the, and they're just going to do whatever they want to do and you're just, going to, you're just going to say yes, sir, and no, sir. And you're going to be in slavery for 70 years. Amen. But I'm not doing it because I like Babylon. I'm not doing it because I like giving whippings. He said, I'm going to do this. Amen. And when you come back, I'm going to open up some promises to you. When I got your attention, I'm going to allow some promises to start working in your life. Amen. I, well, I, I feel like God pushing me and the devil pushing me. Amen. I don't care. I'm going forward. Amen. I, the story of everybody's life. I can just tell you, uh, man, we've all sinned and come short of the glory, so we've all had our fair share of whippings and 
And you got some people that learn a lot faster than other people. And some people learn a lot slower than other people. And I would maybe it was one of the slower ones. Amen. But when I did learn it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, 70 years, I'm going to leave you there. And when I bring you back, I'm going to have your full attention then. And then we're going to build a church. Then we're going to build a temple again, and we're going to build some walls again. We're going to build a priesthood again, and we're about to have church. I'm about to perform some promises when I come back. Boy, I feel Jesus playing. But you've got to understand these people. He called them a bunch of names. He called them a stiff-necked people. He's pretty smart. Amen. He said, when you're sitting over there in Babylon, you're going to be thinking about how it used to be when you was in Jerusalem. They'd come and torment them. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. He said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And they took their harps and They hung them up on the willow trees. Sound like a country song. They said, we're not going to sing while we're in captivity. Praise God. God had already told them, I know what I think about you. You talking about you talking about eye opening. When you have failed God for hundreds and hundreds of years. For God to say, I know what I think towards you. You know what? I got a feeling they were probably trying to describe what they thought they were. But God was saying, I know what I think about you. This is in, this is in the worst condition that you could imagine. This is 13 years before they go into captivity. He says, I know what I think towards you. I have thoughts of peace towards you and not of evil. I want to give you an expected end. Do we not serve a wonderful God? I I, I can't. I mean, what, what, what kind of choices do people make? You... You could go one way and serve somebody that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Or somebody that you've abused (laughs) says, I love you. I got a great big plan for your life. And when this is over, you're going to start praying. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, when people start praying, things start changing. You can shout, and I'm glad we shout. You can jump up and down, and I'm glad we jump up and down. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to get God's attention, you're going to have to start praying. He said, this is what he said, when you seek me with your whole heart. Boy, that's a big couple words. When you got a world that's pulling at you, entertainment pulling at you, relationships pulling at you. God's saying you're going to find me when you start looking for me with your Let me tell you who's going to get a miracle. Let me tell you who's going to get blessed. It's the one that's crawling after him. 
Let me tell you something. You're wasting your time praying for somebody that ain't chasing him. You're wasting your time trying to anoint somebody that don't want to be changed. You're wasting your time trying to lay your hands on them if they don't want to be changed. When somebody don't want to be changed, you don't pray for them, with them, with them. You pray where they can't even hear you. You get alone with God. See, you'll make them mad if they're not ready to come out of Babylon. But what you can do, you can get underneath the pew and start calling out their name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Get a hold of them tonight, God. Send an angel to where they're at. Let me tell you what God will do. He'll get an angel and he'll send them to where they're at. He's got a big light. And he knows how to use it. He knows how to get people's attention. Come on, church. Hey, man, I got hope for somebody in this room tonight. The trial that you're going through, it's got an expiration date on it. Hey, man, it's got a day when it won't be there anymore. And the day is going to be when you start seeking after might get quiet. Might get quiet. But your trial's got an expiration date. And God gets decided. And let me tell you, when people start seeking God with all of their heart, I just, I got a heavy burden tonight. Think about everything these young people are facing and every type of social media and every app and every temptation at their fingertips. And, oh, Lord, don't, don't just let them run wild with stuff. Oh, Lord, put some safeguards on there. Maybe you need to take the phones up and put them in your room. Man, I, I'm telling you, Things can get on them in just a moment. And they can be exposed to so many things so fast. That'll put them in Babylon. Amen. Things that'll bind them up. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I can tell you. Praise God. And I'll just be like totally, totally transparent. Totally honest. And I, I, I wish I wish my testimony would have would be in like my boys' testimony, my girls' testimony. That I never would have done anything, but I done a lot of stupid stuff. Things I wish to God I could go back and and undo and rewind and and just get it out of the history and Man, but there, there was just, there was something about my heart. I wasn't seeking him with all my heart. I went to church with my mom. But I just, I was there because mom made me go to church. I don't even know why I'm telling this. but I just went to church because my mom made me go to church. And my heart wasn't in it. And tell you, God knows how to get a hold of your heart. I remember the fear of God would come upon me. I'd hear him preach about hell and, and I'd have the fear of God I'd just trembling almost, but I would do everything I could do to not break. I would do everything I could do to run back out the door and, and just survive one more time. I'm going to tell you something. I became an adult. Mama wasn't there to make me go to church anymore. And I thought, one of these days I'm going to get in church. One of these, I knew it was right. I knew whatever my mom had, it was like, it was so real because I knew her. She was like this normal mom person figure. 
you know, that done stuff in the house. And when she'd get under the influence of the Holy Ghost, she was like a wild woman. So I knew whatever it was was real, but I, I didn't seek after it with all my heart. And I can tell you some of the decisions that I made caused me to experience some of the worst heartache of my life. Uh, I, I told, I preached a funeral last week and I told him I stood at my dad's funeral at the casket without the Holy Ghost. 22 years old, I, I looked in the casket of my dad that died and I said, I am not going to cry. And I didn't. And I held it inside. You're not going to make me break. You, you, you will not. And I would say it in my mind. I am not going to break. Let me tell you a little story. It would have been so much better. If I'd have just broken. Is there scriptures in that Bible? It says you can either fall upon the rock and be broken. You can either fall upon this rock and become broken or this rock will fall on you and break you into pieces. Hey Amen. I chose the dumb way. What an idiot. Chose the dumb way. I'm not going to break. And I lived my life and finally God began to squeeze me so hard. And I had to suffer so much. When I stood there at the casket, uh, just I can't even explain to you how bad it was without the Holy Ghost. It was so bad that the next week or two, I began. I was a kid. I been lifted weights. I ran. I did. I was in shape. All of a sudden, I started having health problems. Like I couldn't even swallow, and I thought, "What is wrong with me?" And I went to the doctor and he said, you're under stress. It wasn't stress because I had to go to work. It was stress because I was running from God. It began to affect me physically. And then later on, it would affect me financially and mentally. And every way you can think, it just began to wreck my world. And I ended up broken. I have no idea what I'm telling you. Broken into pieces because I would not allow God to break me. The rock fell on me. And I was just a shell of a man. Just And one day I woke up in Babylon. One day I woke up in bondage. One day I woke up and said, you know what? I don't have to live like this. I don't believe my mama prayed all them years for me. For me to live in Babylon the rest of my life. Nobody knew it. But I started praying. Of course, I didn't want nobody to hear me. I'd cover up night. I'd put a pillow over my head. I'd just cry and pray real silent. I said, God, I need your help. God, I need your strength. Whatever it is, God. You know what I was? I was in bondage. I would go to church with my wife just to make peace, I guess. I don't know. But then I'd go and they would begin to sing songs like, How does it feel to know you're a child of the king? And I didn't know how it felt. I'd sit there, and it would just, the rock was just crushing me. They would say, how does it feel to know you're all right when you lay your head on your pillow each night? And I hated that song because I didn't know how it felt. Because I was in Babylon. But I woke up, and I said, God, if you'll just help me. I, w- I felt like I, I, I don't know what I'm telling this. But I felt like I was so bound that I didn't even know how to get out. I mean, I even had the desire. God, 
I was praying when nobody was around. Still full of pride, I guess. But, but I thought, you know what? You're 27 years old. You grew up in church and you've ran your whole life. You don't even deserve it. And I felt so bound that and all them people would start lifting their hands. I thought, I wonder what if what it would feel like to just lift up your hands. I wonder what it would feel like to just run them aisles with them people. I want, I want. Then I had shackles on my feet, shackles on my hands, shackles on my mind. I'm telling you, that's growing up in a church family. Think about how the world feels. And I thought, God, you got to help me. And I woke up one day, I worked for the post office. I was a maintenance man and I was taking an industrial electricity course and I was in Norman, Oklahoma taking the course all by myself. And I've told you this a hundred times, but I'm telling it again right now. And the day I woke up was a Tuesday. It was 9-11, 2001. I was so broken inside. All of a sudden, this nation come under attack. People begin to cry and pray, and I was in a was in a uh, like a conference type room, technical center with a bunch of uh, veterans. Everybody was stirred up, and, and my wife had called me, told me what happened. And I went down there, and I at the, where we would eat, and I, and I looked at it on the screen, and it was over and over. I watched airplanes flying into that those buildings and. And, and all I could think of was all the messages that I heard. I'll tell you, one of the messages I heard, it was the Sunday before the Tuesday, and the tape is gone, and you can't find it because I've looked for it. But Bishop Holmes began to preach, and he was preaching about, you got to come out of this world. you got to get right. you got to do right. And he said, if they dropped the bomb on New York City, tomorrow they'd repent. Tuesday there was a bomb dropped on them and it just my heart I had all I could take and it was all by myself and I got down in that hotel room and for two hours I could just hear what he was saying oh this is what else he said oh Jerusalem this is what he was preaching oh Jerusalem oh how I would love to just gather you up under my wings as a Mother hen gathers her chicks. I didn't know how to pray. I just started saying, God, will you put me under your wings somehow? I thought the world was ending. I thought we was over. I, I thought my world was ending. And I just prayed and cried and I told God, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a heathen. You know, you got to open your mouth if you're going to get God to help you. If you think you're just going to sit there all with a moment of silence and God just dramatically change your life, it ain't going to happen, my friend. You got to open your mouth and say something. You may not know what to say, but you got to say something. And I said, God, I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't know what the Holy Ghost is. And I'm a heathen, but I want it. I want to live for you. I'm tired of doing it my way. My way's miserable. For two hours, I repented all by myself. I cried and cried until there was, I didn't have any tears left. I said, if you don't give me the Holy Ghost, God, I'm going to wear you out every day until you do give it to me. And all week long, there. For weeks, I'd been there for weeks and come home on weekends. And they had these, <clears throat> I think I was on the third or fourth floor, they had all these pigeons that would come. And they would sit right on my window. And anytime I would go, just touch the window. Now, this is God dealing with a sinner. Anytime I would touch the window, they'd all fly away. But that day I said, God, I want to be under your wings. And after I got through praying, I felt so good. I'm telling you, repentance is a wonderful, 
absolutely wonderful feeling. It ain't the Holy Ghost. But my Lord, it feels good. Amen. So after I repented for two hours, I was in the dark room and I walked over there. Then I opened the curtains up. There was one white pigeon bird or something sitting right there on the ledge. And I opened it up and it wouldn't fly away. It was like it was just me and God. Tapped on the window and it wouldn't fly away. I looked and it wouldn't fly away. It's like I, I don't know if I heard an audible voice. This is the first time that God had ever dealt with me. Or it just spoke to my spirits. I, I don't know what it was. But I heard these words. Didn't you say you wanted to be under my wings? I looked at that bird, whatever it was. And I thought, God, you know who I am. You know who I am. I'm coming out of Babylon. I'm coming out. It's in the, the largest... I was in the largest federal facility in Oklahoma after they blew up the Murrah building. I was in the largest one in Norman, Oklahoma. When 9-11 happened, they locked us down. We couldn't come in. We couldn't go out. They were watching us. Scariest time. But I knew. God knew who I was. Come Friday afternoon, they checked us out. He said, go home. I don't remember if we were supposed to go back. I don't remember what the story was. But anyway, when I went home, I thought, when I get to that church, and I was, I was, I am still a shy person. Believe it or not, nobody believes me, but I am. I said, I don't care if all 2,000 people are looking at me. When I get in those doors... I'm going to find that altar. Let me tell you, God's got a way of getting your attention. It would be beautiful if people would just give their life to God without. Sunday morning was just one of them sermons, you know, not really like a run to the altar. It was just a teaching. It was wonderful, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. But I thought, I am not letting this day get past me without me getting the Holy Ghost. Here I am. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know. Everybody else has got it except me. All my brothers, my kids even got the Holy Ghost. All the ones that were born. That tells you how slow I am. They had it. And here I didn't even know what I was looking for. But I thought, I'm getting out of Babylon. Sunday night, I thought, I hope they run to the altar. Well, people went down there. I don't know what the other people were doing. Some of them were jumping. Some of them were running. It was like a quarter mile to get down front. And I walked all the way around, got down to that front. And I thought, I am not leaving right here until I'm out of Babylon. I lifted my hands and started crying out to God. It wasn't very long. My pastor come over and started praying with me. Let me tell you, when you get a made-up mind, you're going to speak in tongues. When you, when you get to not caring about everybody else, you're just about to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said, he started praying for me. He started messing up my hair. Uh, messy hair, don't care. <laughs> it ain't why I'm here. I'm here for one reason. I got to be free. I can't live in bondage one more day. I prayed, God, please fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'll do. I wish I wouldn't have said it now. I said, I'll do anything you want me to do if you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't very long. I didn't know who I was anymore. 
I started getting that Holy Ghost dementia. And the Holy Ghost came on me. I spake with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. When I come up out of there, I thought I'll never one day go back to Babylon. Let me tell you something. You got to get it in your heart. Took this Bible right here. It used to not look like this. It used to have a black cover on it. I read this thing from front. I never even opened a Bible. I read this thing from front to back and another one. In the same year, I read the Bible two times. I started going to the church every day. I said, I'm not going back to Babylon. And I started praying and I started touching God every day. This is where people make mistakes, I'm telling you. When you get a Holy Ghost breakthrough and you never go back and do it again. Or you get baptized and you feel great and you don't ever go back to the altar and feel it again. You're making a big mistake. The worst mistake of your life is to get a touch, a taste of it and then back off. I thank God that a pastor said, come on man, you need to come pray. I'd go down there, I didn't have time to go pray, I was working two jobs I'd go down there and pray. It was 17 miles from my house to that church. And I'd go down there every day and I'd pray and I would talk to God and I'd pray until I spoke in tongues. Honest to God, I've never thought about one time giving up what God gave me. I I I just, I got a burden in my spirit now. Samoko Shanamo. Yay, God. Sodomosa. Somebody needs. <laughs> Somebody needs to make your mind up. I'm coming out of Babylon. Trial's going to end right now. I bind every devil in hell that would come against people. Bind every cynical spirit, every doubting spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I need some prayer warriors to help me take dominion right now. Somebody needs to make up your mind. I'm not going back to Babylon. You lying devil. Hiramakara. <laughs> ha I rebuke every offended spirit. Talk about me. Do whatever you want to do, but you're not sending me back. I've done tasted of freedom now. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Come on. God's not always going to strive with man. He puts so much mercy into us. Help us, God. Help us, God. God, speak to your people. Speak to their hearts, God. 
get the quit out of their spirit. Get the offense out of their spirit tonight. Anything that would drag them. Uh, I rebuke every perversion. Every bitterness, every jealousy, everything that would strangle the life out of souls. In the name of Jesus, speak to your people. Speak to your people. Speak to their hearts. Come on, why don't you pray right where you're at right now? Come on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on, you can't die in Babylon. Come on, you got to have deliverance. You got to have God help you. into a prayer room right now. Can somebody intercede? Come on, intercede for a soul right now. 